Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Lost in Place. Today I am here with Steve and Tracy Walker. Hi guys. Hey, how are you? Hey. It's a little more enthusiasm, Tracy. Jean. Well, you know, I'm going to be like trying to let Steve speak first so I don't overtake this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, but maybe you're more interesting than Steve, so you should overtake this whole thing. <laughs> you're the soul to this relationship. Come on. I'm trying really hard here. <laughs> So where do we start? Do we start with how I know you guys? That'd be good. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. You want to tell it, Steve, or shall I? Uh, well, I can. Um, so I'm kind of obsessed with motorcycles, and we were living in Greece at the time, and I was looking for videos on YouTube about um, uh, BMW GS Adventures, and I came across your videos because I liked them because it wasn't a lot of... Uh, garbage uh it was it was good content of people just enjoying motorcycles and i enjoyed watching your videos because there's a lot of people that like to make videos but they really don't know what they're talking about and they'll take like you know a 30 minute video walking around the motorcycle like looking at all the features of it but they really don't know what they're talking about and it just wastes your time like when you click on videos that look like that so i really enjoyed your videos and then i realized after a while that I could probably figure out where you guys live because Athens really isn't that big of a city. <laughs> and then uh, reached out to you guys and met you guys. So that's kind of the story the way I remember it. It makes you sound really creepy. Like, I could just figure out where they live. It's not a big deal. Yeah, it's kind of creepy. Totally, totally. It is kind of creepy. And that's not how he did it at all. Really? <laughs> Get us a message. Okay, so let's... So let's hear the uh, what's the the Lauren version of the story. How did how did you remember this all working out? I didn't end on this creepy note like you just did, where you talking <laughs> us. That's not what happened. You reached out. We had a bit of an exchange at some point. I said, "Hey, come for a ride with us." Yeah, yeah. yeah. I chose somewhere public just in case. <laughs> <laughs> public place, lots of witnesses. Yeah, we know. <laughs> Isn't that when Jenny went with you? I don't remember. Is it Jenny and then? Yeah, because you guys met at Poseidon's Temple yeah. at the coffee shop. Well, we went one and we took Leanne too. That was the second time. Okay. Okay. Nobody else knows who Jenny is. Jenny's your sister. For those who don't. Yeah. I've got so many massive amounts of followers that everyone's dying to know who Jenny is. So, Steve, I have a question for you. All right. How long have you been riding? Um, it's been a good bit, but, um, I didn't ride motorcycles growing up. I rode like four wheelers all the time. And I had a couple friends that had dirt bikes that I was always kind of fascinated with, but, um, I didn't have any of them when I was at home. Uh, but I, uh, after I joined the army, I don't know, I was in my early twenties. I thought, Hey, I could, we could totally get dirt bikes. This would be fun. It's been like 20 years now. I can remember it plain as day. Colin Tracy and I was at a motorcycle dealership and said hey I think I want to buy a dirt bike and she said that famous line that wives sometimes say to husbands do whatever you want and I learned at that moment that do whatever you want does not really mean do whatever you want <laughs> but <laughs> but thankfully she for uh, she forgave me and uh and then uh we got both got into dirt bikes and stuff then, and then we really enjoyed it. But yeah, I'd say about 20 years. But like on street bikes, I uh, I didn't ride a lot of street bikes because um, I think it's important to learn 
how to ride motorcycles off-road uh, in an environment where, yeah, dirt and rocks hurt, but they don't kill you the way that, um, well, they can kill you, but they don't kill you the way a, you know, a little old lady not paying attention will kill you with a big car. And so it was important to me to learn how to ride off-road. And then uh, I didn't get a, a a motorcycle until I actually moved to Greece. That's where I got my uh, my street license was over there. I was just about to swear, and I remembered I had to keep myself in check. <laughs> but no way. <laughs> I did yeah. not know that. Yeah. Well, okay, so wait. Wait, wait, wait. So basically, you didn't start riding until you and Tracy were already together. Yes, that's correct. And how long after you got the dirt bike did Tracy get a dirt bike as well? Pretty quickly. I think it was pretty quick. A few months. A few months. Not hours? No. She was pretty pissed about it at first. So, I mean, she, she, was, she was angry that I bought a dirt bike. And then, uh, and then she forgave me. And then she saw that it was a lot of fun. And then uh, we used to ride like on like motocross tracks and stuff, but like smaller ones. And, uh, and we had dogs, we had big labs and uh, we would take the labs out and the labs would just have a blast chasing us around on the, on the motorcycles. And it was, it was fun. And then Tracy, I got Tracy a little Honda XR 100, a little four stroke motorcycle to learn how to ride on. And then we would go up and we would ride in the desert. Uh, There's a, there's a state park called Little Sahara. Yeah, in Oklahoma. And we'd put um, paddle tires on the back uh, wheel of the motorcycles and then go ride in the sand dunes. And it was a lot of fun because riding in sand is completely different than it is on dirt. I mean, it's, it's much easier on motocross bikes than like a big adventure bike like today. Uh, but, uh, but they were a lot of fun. Paddle tires literally whip the sand in the back and then you can have a lot of fun. And even if you fall down, you don't really get hurt too bad if it's nice, soft sand. And then, uh, after I think we were up there, she was riding that XR100 and realized that it was very underpowered in the sand. It was okay on trails. And then I got, I traded her XR100 and I bought her a CR80. And so that was a lot of fun. That was our dirt bike experience. And then let's see, I hurt myself really good riding motocross bikes on a motocross track. And then I, uh, I broke my shoulder blade. I broke my ankle previously. Yeah. I gave myself I gave myself a concussion, spent a night in the hospital, and then I I was in the army. I got assigned over to Korea for a year unaccompanied tour. And so then I I sold my motocross bike and then uh I didn't get another dirt bike for well years, years and years. Uh and then I I had bought Tracy a four-wheeler uh, to ride at the time. And then we, we started having babies. So it was a little bit more difficult. We started going having babies and then uh, I went to war like year on year off for what seemed like an eternity. So, and then I came back to the States and I was like, it was crazy because our kids were growing up and I, I didn't really know them. And so I had a hard time like continuing with like dirt bikes because it was like a hobby that I couldn't do with like really young kids. And I really wrestled with, uh, I don't know if I need to have extra hobbies that take more time away from me spending time with my family. So we didn't really ride for like many years. And then, um, I don't know, I've always really liked motorcycles though. It wasn't like I 
I didn't have the desire to ride. It's just that I didn't really have the opportunity. Like the timing wasn't right. Um, then the army is like really particular about like, if you're going to ride a motorcycle and be in the army, you have to like, uh, well, it's all military services in the U S you have to go to basic rider course from the motorcycle safety foundation and the advanced rider course, uh, just to like make, keep you safe. So. Or prove your skills. I guess not keep you safe, but prove that you're a proficient rider. So, but you actually did that, though, didn't you? Proficiency test. Yeah, I went to Crete to take it. It was awesome. <laughs> it was when you were already deployed here in Greece that you went and took it. That was a vacation. That was not a deployment. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean when you were already when when you and your family were already living here. Is that when you took the test? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went down to Crete. I flew down there and stayed for like four days. I took the course down there. Uh, they have containers like uh, shipping containers that are full of like small motorcycles. And then you get a motorcycle out of there and a helmet. And then you, you ride the bikes on a course and then you take a whole class and everything down there. And then you get your MSF cards uh, for taking the course. But yeah, I took that in Greece. So a couple of your kids were already teenagers or almost a couple of your kids were already teenagers before you took the course. Yep. Wow, you really did take a step back from it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because it was like never, it never seemed like the right time to put like little kids on dirt bikes. I mean, we realize now that that's not true, but I felt, I think I might have been a little hesitant. Okay, I want to rewind quite a bit because we've jumped ahead in the future. And I want to know what the deciding factor was for you, Tracy, that what was it that switched you from being angry at sea for going out and getting a bike basically when he shouldn't have deciding you wanted one as well? Yeah. The funny thing is uh, we were in Oklahoma at that time and um, Steve had a really good uh, relationship with a bunch of his guys and um, some of his guys rode and their wives were kind of involved. And I think that was probably the switch was just hanging out with those people whose wives were involved. And I was like, Oh, okay, maybe I can do this. And I think that's probably where I kind of calmed down about it. Cause he wanted to take me every weekend. And so I saw these other ladies out there having a good time and I became friends with them. And I think that probably was where it was. When you say involved, what do you mean? Like they would just go along with their boyfriends and husbands, or they would actually ride the bikes themselves. What do you mean? They were saying? riding like the one was riding, uh, they were both riding four wheelers actually, but, um, man, it's crazy to think about Melissa and Aaron right now. They're both gone. They've both passed away. So it's kind of strange. Um, but yeah, so Steve had a couple guys in his unit. They were all friends kind of, uh, that would go out on the weekends and ride bikes. And so their wives and girlfriends, yeah, like you said, were part of that scene it wasn't just guys it was gals going out so i think that's probably what it was it opened the door for you to know this wasn't just a guy's thing steve actually wanted you around he wanted you to participate he wanted to share this with you yes exactly yeah i think uh, i think of a lot of it is because of uh like the people that you go and ride with because like i don't know motorcycling is so much uh, like a social thing like if you if you get along with people and you're really quick with them and you're going out and you're riding, then you have a lot of fun. Like what was hard for us is like, we move all the time. 
And so every time that you go and you start your life over again in a whole new place, it's kind of hard to find that same like niche group of friends. It's, it's just not the same. So it's, it's hard. So. Right. Just like, just like you guys, there, there aren't like motorcycle riding couples that we hang out with here in this area. There's like individuals that we know that ride motorcycles, but there aren't a lot of couples that go and ride. So. Yeah, we still have that issue since you guys moved away is finding another couple where both people are interested. Even if the partner is happy being pillion, there aren't, we just don't have that since yeah. you guys left. Yeah. So, now, honestly, out of the two of you, who is the better rider? Oh, Steve. I can't ride. <laughs> <laughs> but you were riding. You can't ride. You were riding. <laughs> yeah, I, I ride. And from what I hear, you've actually gotten back into riding yeah. now. Or yeah. To get back into it. We've got two teenagers and a 12-year-old. So it okay. seems to us the perfect time. Is it one bike for the four of you to learn on, you and the kids? or Actually... The crazy thing is, Steve bought, Steve, you're going to have to say the numbers of the bikes, uh, Kawasaki and a KTM, but the Cal the KTM is a what? So I bought a, a Kawasaki KX100, and uh, Tracy's able to ride that, Jacob's able to ride it, Leanne can ride it too, um, but it's a little bit small for Elijah. And then I bought a KTM XCW150, and it's a TPI. And it seems right. like it runs really well. So both Elijah and Leanne can ride the KTM. It's, it's a taller bike, but they both seem comfortable on it. And Leanne actually likes that bike better. So that's kind of encouraging. She's taller than me. So um, hard. What'd you say? You're Isn't that hard? Anything. You really are. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not comfortable even thinking about getting on that uh, KTM however Leanne prefers that bike so it's really just me and Jake on the Kawasaki which is currently in the shop unfortunately and then um, the rest of them ride the KTM or Steve takes his adventure bike out and uh, Elijah's learning how to ride that even yeah I put Elijah on the GS he rode the GS uh, two weeks ago is he talking so. for it yeah he is he is when you guys left Greece, he was still a little bit shorter than me. Yeah, he's grown. Yeah, he's grown. And it, but but yeah, he actually drove the or rode the GS. Was it two weeks ago? Like we did like maybe a four or five mile loop, and he was riding it. So right, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, he's seventeen now, Lauren. Oh my God, he's seventeen. Yeah. He's seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Oh. And Leanne's oh, fifteen. He was trying to persuade you guys to let him get his learner's permit early. Yeah, he's got his license now. We're old. It's official. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. You just had kids young. Let's just say that. You had kids young. We're not old. Uh. You were young. <laughs> so, so you guys have done a number of trips together, and you did almost two weeks where you circled up through Italy and then back down. I don't want to talk about the trips just yet, but this has to do with my question is that now that Tracy is starting to ride again, if you were to start planning your next big trip, let's say, Tracy, would you still want to ride passenger on the back of Steve's? Or would you consider getting your own bike for a big trip? Well, you know, there's money involved in that and I'm cheap. So I'm content on the back. <laughs> 
All right. Well, if money wasn't an issue. Yeah, I could get a little bike and be okay, but I also need to get a license. I don't have a license. But in the States, it's so easy getting yeah, a license. I've tried to get her in the, the course, and uh, we've never had it work out to where she could actually go, but I've, I've tried to get her into the course. And then I was thinking about getting her in the course with Elijah, but I'm, I don't want to get Elijah his license prematurely. I'd rather have him be a little bit more confident on the dirt bike before putting him on it or making him think that he's comfortable enough to ride in the street. <laughs> I see what you're saying when you say that I understand where you're coming from, but I think a lot of how a person rides is also part of their personality. You know, if he's a responsible rider out on public streets as opposed to in the dirt, well, I mean, is he a responsible rider in the dirt? Does he watch out for himself? He, he does, but I mean, I don't know. I just want him to get a little bit more comfortable still yet. I, like a heavier bike, I mean, I don't want to have him feel like he's stalling at intersections and then getting nervous when there's a bunch of traffic around. I want him to make sure he's really comfortable and that all that stuff's like second nature before putting him or making him think about getting on the street. Yeah, no, I mean, there are lighter bikes that you can start out with. I'm thinking they make them, what, as low as 125 or 250 for street legal? I don't remember what the small, I think 125. Yeah. I think I bought a little 125 when she kept telling me she didn't want a big bike she didn't want a big bike and then she hated it like yeah. i knew she would but that's besides the point no my question was more of um, sometimes when you get on a bike you're the type of person that you just take risks whether you're on the road or you're on the dirt you're just you live for the thrill of it and that has to do with somebody's nature as supposed to, because they actually know what they're doing they just choose to take the risks anyway is your kid, you know him, is he a risk taker or does he play on the side of caution? Where, where do you feel his writing skills are? Hmm, well, I think... Uh, I think naturally Elijah's a risk taker. Yeah. But because of Steve's constant teaching, he's learning to be careful. Yeah, I think it's kind of tricky though because I think he can behave a certain way when we're around him. And I don't know for sure that that's how he behaves on his own when we're not there. Like, I don't know what he drives his little Oldsmobile like when we're not in the car or we're not around him. So it's hard to tell. But I think naturally, I think he is a risk taker. So we'll see. We said about being young and learning how to ride. I mean, I was talking to Dan about this the other day. So this will be repeated for anybody who's listened to both podcasts. But these sort of things when you learn how to do them when you're young you haven't really experienced how much life can hurt yet. So you are taking more risks than somebody our age would. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? We all know what a broken bone feels like or what a long recovery feels like or an accident that you didn't really walk away from that easily. When you're a kid, you kind of think you're invincible. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, and is, is figuring out what does and doesn't work and falling down a few times. And you just hope that they do it in a controlled environment. Yeah, no, I hear you. It's, it's a little crazy here. Like I would say, I would say traffic here though is comparable to Athens. Uh, so I don't, I don't know if learning to ride on the street for him right now would necessarily be the, the, be the best. 
I mean, I still think we need a little bit more time. Although he's very eager to, though. Like him riding my GS, like that little loop off-road, he was like set like, oh, we should totally get a street legal bike. We should we should get this. This should, this should be the next bike. So we'll see. But And he was, he was pretty excited. Like you can, I don't know, like when you lived in Arizona, but like in like, uh, we're in El Paso, but like we're less than five miles from New Mexico. So you can ride like the southern part of New Mexico. You can ride. It's all run by Bureau of Land Management. You can ride like some of those back areas, like all the way to Arizona and probably halfway across to Arizona. There's just wide open places. So we rode the, the dirt bikes. I rode my GS and he rode the KTM all the way out, like a 60 mile loop two weeks ago. And uh, he had a blast because he got to ride some of it on the street to get out there. So I don't know. We'll see. Can you guys envision a future where a family holiday would mean all five of you are getting on bikes and taking off to explore either, you know, crossing the United States or going up to Canada or Alaska. Is there any scenario which you can put all five of you each on your own bike? And let's take money out of the equation, Jason. Yeah, definitely then. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely. see us telling that. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I could see that. That'd be a lot of fun. I might be on a Vespa, but <laughs> yeah. Uh. Now when you take family trips, if you want to take the bike with you, you guys have to take the Airstream, don't you? It is an Airstream, isn't it? Yeah, so if we want to take the, the bikes with us, we'd need to take the cap off the back of my truck and then put them in the bed of the truck and then haul the Airstream behind us. So, but I don't know. There's always camping in tents, too. So. Yeah, I don't see that being the way we would go. I would see us leaving from wherever we live with bikes packed for camping or staying in, like, you know, hotels or whatever, or with friends, that would be easy enough in America. <laughs> but haven't you guys already taken a trip with the camper and at least the BMW? Why do I think I remember you guys took a trip like this? Yeah, we did that this summer. We, um, we took the family um, back to Pennsylvania. We had a, a bunch of weddings and to visit family this summer. And I took the GS in the back of the truck back to Pennsylvania. And then Tracy and the kids stayed there. And then I rode the GS back across country from Pennsylvania back to El Paso because I had to get back to work for a couple of weeks. And then three weeks later, I flew back to Pennsylvania and then drove the truck back with them. So it wasn't, it was a little, it was a trip, but it wasn't really a planned out deliberate motorcycle trip. It was more of a mode of transportation. And, uh, but it was fun. It was, it was fun getting to fly. And you met up with some guys. Yeah. I went down and I rode that um, dragon's tail. Or, uh, tail of the dragon. Tail of the dragon uh, down on the uh, by Gatlinburg. That was really neat. But, but yeah, rode back across country this summer. Yeah. Yeah, I went and made one of those funny noises, and now I'm trying to think of how I smoothly segue to question. <laughs> <laughs> you had said earlier that you were spending so much time on deployments that when you came back, you didn't really know who your kids were. So taking time away from your family to ride no longer seemed feasible. What is it that got you thinking about getting back into riding bikes? When, at what point did you think, okay, now is a good time to start again? Um, uh, for us, I think it's the fact that our kids have reached an age where they can actually participate in the same hobbies. So like there's, there's a couple of different hobbies that were like that for me. Like, uh, I don't know, like hunting, like hunting isn't a thing that you usually do with really small kids, 
I grew up hunting with my dad, but like, hunting is something that in Pennsylvania, you can't start until you're 12 years old. So I wasn't going to go hunting with like five-year-olds and seven-year-old kids. So it was something that I just didn't do like for many years. And even here, I haven't hunted here because there's not a lot of wildlife down in this part of the country. But um, motorcycles was just one of those things where it wasn't something that I could see myself being able to consistently do with the kids because they were so young at the time. And then I kept leaving and uh, having to go places. And so it wasn't really like the timing worked out. Now I feel like because our kids are old enough, um, ideally I wish it would have been like a couple of years ago or maybe like when we were in Greece. But the problem with, with starting this hobby again in Greece is we didn't really have like a way to transport dirt bikes to get around. I mean, I didn't have like a pickup truck driving around over there to move truck, move bikes from one place to another. But uh, now if the kids are old enough that they can participate in it. And that's a good fun family activity. In fact, Tracy said we should get more dirt bikes. I heard her say this a couple of weeks ago. You hear Tracy hear, uh, yeah, you hear Tracy say a lot of things. I'm starting to wonder <laughs> maybe a mental disorder here? What is it, the one, schizophrenia? No, no, she said it, come on. My thoughts are his thoughts, that's what I tell him. <laughs> <laughs> I say that all the time. Your husband's got a wild imagination. <laughs> yes. I don't know, I think there's, there's a big difference in, in, in parenting styles when it comes to this, my dad would have fallen on the side of you, Steve, where once he had me, that was it. He became so cautious. I don't think he'd drive over 50 miles an hour when I was in the car. And he was huge into bikes and everything. Whereas my mom was the polar opposite. She was sticking me on the back of the bike from when I was old enough to hold on. And in fact, I remember using all of my shoes on the back of her bike. Because of course she'd still ride the same way that she would ride when I wasn't on it. Full speed ahead, let's race the car next to me. As long as Lauren can hold on, it's quiet. So I, I spent so much time on the back of the bike as a kid that I'm amazed she ever told me or she ever thought I wouldn't ride. Like it really blows my mind. Huh. Yeah, I think part of the thing is Steve didn't get a road bike until we were in Greece. And at that point, the kids were on the back you know that is when the kids learned like okay it's gonna be all right we can get on a motorcycle you know because grandmas are very cautious were there arguments over who could take a trip no no not really i think they like riding on the bike they all like they all want to have the opportunity to get on the bike with dad now and all so i mean it was even like that over there were there ever disputes over who was going to get the opportunity to go with you for something? I don't believe so. I think Steve and I, I think we are pretty good about making an effort to, okay, like this is for dad and Leanne, or this is dad and Jacob's trip, or this is dad and Elijah's trip, that kind of thing. So. I think the other thing that's interesting is uh, I think motorcycling, like with your kids, just like anything, but for us biking, it's really good like one-on-one -on -one time with kids. So like um, a lot of people and parents today, it's very difficult because of how they say kids are so distracted. And like when you're on a motorcycle and your kids are 100% focused on holding on 
and you have like the Bluetooth intercom and you can have a conversation with your kids, they are 100% focused on what your conversation is. So um, anyways, so what I was saying was like, I think is, is parenting, like riding motorcycles with the kids one-on-one -on -one was like one way to like, just have conversation with them. They weren't focused on, you know, messing around with their phones or watching a TV show on their phone or listening to something or texting their friends or whatever, because they can't do that on a motorcycle. The phone's in their pocket or it's away. And then it's just you and the kids and enjoying like the environment where you're riding and you're having a conversation the whole time. And I think if you have a good Bluetooth set between the two, it's, it's a great thing to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation with kids. So we split that up with the kids. So it's not always one one child, but we kind of take turns with it. This is a catch twenty two scenario, though, because what you're saying is um, is basically that because you have the Bluetooth system and the helmet, you can have a conversation with your kids and keep them engaged to keep them away from their phone. But twenty years ago, where you know, or um, thirty years ago, where I was on the back of the bike with my mom there was no bluetooth headset between us in fact neither one of us were in helmets but don't tell anyone else i told you that but there was no phone for me to be distracted on so i was already there i was already engaged i was already focused i mean if you're, if you're going to be getting onto a bike the last thing you should be doing is checking on your phone like i hate this whole system of putting mounting your phone to the front of the bike even as adults why don't people realize that this is a distraction? If a text pops up or a phone call pops up and you're writing, that can be the split second where you're not paying attention and somebody pulls out in front of you. You're asking the wrong guy. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think before somebody should even be allowed to ride a bike, they need to understand the importance of focus. So no phones when you're on the bike, whether you're the rider or you're the pillion on the back. No phones. I don't know. I don't know. I've got very strong opinions on this. Well, okay. So I think in certain circumstances, I agree with you, like riding around in the city, it wasn't like I'm like messing around with my phone, but like right now I commute 45 minutes to get to work every day. And it's a long, a long ride. And it's in the middle of the desert. There's like nothing out there. So I don't really feel like it's a huge distraction. If I see a phone call pop up that I like answer the phone call with my Bluetooth. Because really, I don't have to do anything, but like I can talk to the helmet and I can tell it to answer the phone or I can just hit one button and it answers the call. So if Tracy's calling me and it's like a 45 minute ride to get for me to get to work, it's not a big deal for me to be able to answer the call and just like see what she needs. Don't you think the point, though, where you get so comfortable in doing a thing that once the situation changes on you and you're in a city or you're in a different country where the the rules have changed the way people ride has changed or drive has changed that you've become used to doing these little habits and you forget that the risks are different yeah but i mean i could see like if i'm in that circumstance probably not have my phone out and just put my phone in my pocket or something and then i wouldn't feel the temptation to answer it like if i can't see who's calling if i can't see who's calling i'm probably not going to answer it yeah but if if you're used to having your phone mounted somewhere like you can see it would you actually change your habits to put the phone away if you were back in Greece, let's say, where people here, you've seen how people drive here? Yeah, no, probably not. I, I'd still use it for like navigation and stuff sometimes too. So I don't know. 
so yeah i i hear what you're saying i'd probably i do get distracted by my phone sometimes but i use it mostly to listen to music to be honest with you like i don't talk a ton because the audio quality is not that great for phone calls but it's it's not bad though on intercom function like back and forth to talk with the kids though i love to listen to music when i ride but i've noticed that it's not the best idea for me because if certain songs come on i ride like i don't want to say the word that i would immediately go for but i ride like a jerk i really do and it, it's it's not something that i even notice i'm doing let's say the offspring comes on and i'm sure there are plenty of people out there who hate the offspring but they hold a very special place in my heart <laughs> uh, it while I'm writing, I take risks that I wouldn't usually take. So I kind of, I figured out that it's, it's best if I'm not listening to anything. Yeah, but I think you could make the same argument for people that drive a certain way when their music comes on too. So I don't know if it's a motorcycle specific thing. You probably have more severe consequences if you ride unsafely on a motorcycle, but I think you could make the same argument for people that drive that way too. Oh, no, absolutely. Everything that I'm saying applies to people in cars as well. The difference is, at least when you're in a car, you've got something surrounding you, something protecting you. You know, there's an level of safety there. You get a cage. You get a cage containing you. <laughs> if you get clipped on the back of your car, fine. A stiff neck, maybe you've broken your nose on the steering wheel, something like that. If you get clipped on the back of a bike, that's it. That can be game over. There are there are different rules in place when you're on a bike. There just are. It's like you're not leaving your house without a helmet and boots on and jacket and full gear because there are added risks. And these are not things that you would think about in a car. In a car, you go, go to the beach, drive home in your bikini. Who cares? You do that on a bike and you fall even at low that's half your skin gone you're gonna end up on youtube that's what's gonna happen come on Ugh. oh those videos ouch those videos make me cringe and the tv no oh i know <clears throat> you know you know what though i would say that like i feel like i am so much more attentive on my motorcycle riding than naturally than what i am when i'm driving a car because of like the things that you're talking about, like the that added safety of it. And I, I, I don't know, that's why I think like riding motorcycles is such a huge stress reliever. Like, um, it's like that temptation, like, cause you, you're not, I don't know, you're not fully engaged. You're not as part of the environment when you're riding in a car than you are on a bike. So like when I left, when I left the office from work and I'm going home, I'll think like, oh, well I should call so-and-so I should call so-and-so or hey I wonder what else I have going on tomorrow oh I wonder what my calendar is and it's like that temptation to like keep working on your phone or whatever whereas on the bike I'm not doing that and that forced like break between work and home is such a good thing like for a, a stress relief that I'm not working on that kind of stuff that I think it I don't know Tracy said that I, I seem like I come home and I'm in a better mood than what I was if I'm in that like extended work environment on my way home that makes sense i know i completely agree getting on my bike when i'm having a really bad day or i've worked too much or something is causing me stress or grief in my life it just it changes everything but 
I've noticed that because I ride a bike, I've become a better driver in the car. Yeah. I'm, I'm more focused on motorcyclists. Things, yes, but because I ride a bike now, I now pay more attention to who's around me and what's going on and traffic lights and everything else because I know that my mistake can cost somebody else in a big way. And Greece does have such a high population of motorcyclists that you, know, you have to be aware for this sort of thing. In fact, I have this whole theory that everybody should be made to get a bike license and ride and get, have a year's worth of experience riding before they can be allowed to drive a car. Because I think it would make everybody more aware. I was just gonna say, even as a passenger, I'm more aware of motorcyclists. Like as a passenger on a motorcycle, when I'm driving my car, I'm more aware of the motorcyclists and I'm more cautious. Somebody close to you, there's that moment of, <gasps> are they gonna see me? You don't really have that in the in the car. So yeah, just being on a bike in general gives you this extra awareness of what's going on around you. And I think the roads would be a much safer place if everybody weren't first on a bike before they were allowed on a car. Yeah, I think the roads would be a lot safer in general, like if just people rode bikes all the time. So I don't know. Have you already forgotten what it's like riding in Athens? I think people would be a lot less of a, a hazard to each other if they, they started out with that kind of riding experience or if people rode bikes, I don't know, more. Like, it's more popular in Europe than it is in the States. Like, here, I mean, I think, like, the biggest hazards that we have here, like, the the drivers are crazy. But I think another thing is the, uh, like, road debris. Like, people driving around in open bed pickup trucks that are full of garbage that flies out as you're riding down the road. Like, I have to, like avoid those people all the time because any open bed pickup truck or like landscaping company that has like you know uh branches uh or other stuff it it flies out the back and then i just move out to try to pass them because the the stuff flies out and um and, and it'll hit you in the face or it might make you wreck i just don't know how big of a piece of uh, uh stuff is gonna fly out yeah that's scary one last question for you guys and that would be what would your advice be to other parents other families who are just starting out and want to try and balance having a family and introducing bikes or keeping bikes within their relationship because this is a big struggle for a lot of people i have an answer to that because i think part of it was like maybe if we lived in the same area all the time, or it wasn't a big deal to, um, you know, have bikes wherever we lived, I would say start them young because they learn the mechanics quicker. And also smaller bikes are cheaper. So you can have a lot of fun with your kids with bikes that are a lot less expensive when the kids are small, younger for a while. I don't know, you can find out if they do or don't like it. More than likely, they're gonna like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think that the struggle for us though is that you move all the time and then you start over. I think another struggle is, um, like it sounds crazy, but bike sizes matter a lot. Because if you get a kid a bike that's too big for them, it can potentially scare them 
whether or not it's physically too big or if the engine is too big and has too much power, it'll, it'll scare the kid and then turn the kids off. So you have to kind of manage the sizes of the bike to where you get it like in between kids so that, you know, kids can, you know, multiple kids can ride the same bike and that you don't really waste your money on buying one that kids are going to grow out of in like, you know, three months. And then they're going to be like, Oh, I'm sick of this. This is boring. So kind of balancing what you think your kids' skill levels are, how quickly they're going to grow. And then also you can go broke buying just riding gear because you don't want your kids to like not have protective gear. But at the same time, kids grow so quickly that um, you can really spend a lot of money. And so having stuff that's, um, I don't know, if you have boys or girls or a mix, you want to have stuff that's like unisex colors and stuff so that you can easily pass it down. And there's not like a stigma about wearing girl stuff or boy stuff or whatever. And then uh, making wise decisions about what those purchases are. And then like knowing the areas that you're going to live in and then picking places that are going to be good for riding or, uh, or like at least conducive to be able to like store your bikes. Cause it, all those things can factor into like really ruining your whole experience. Cause if you've got to pay, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month to rent a garage to be able to store all your gear in, you're going to quickly get tired of that if you're, if you don't really have a lot of areas to go and enjoy it as a family. So I think it's a balance of all those things, what your expenses are. Um, do you have a garage that you can actually do a lot of your own maintenance in too, I think is a factor because you'll go broke paying garages to do all your maintenance as well. And Dirt bikes are simple enough that you can do a lot of your own maintenance and you should, because honestly, that's where you teach your kids a lot about the mechanics of how engines work. And uh, I don't know, I think that's, that aspect of riding is fun to teach the kids like, hey, this is an air filter. This is how you clean an air filter. This is why it's important. Hey, here's a, this is the piston. Hey, let's talk about two stroke combustion engines compared to four stroke combustion engines. I, I enjoy that aspect of it uh with the kids even beyond the um just the riding skills of it uh, so it's it depends all those things factor into the decisions well and, and you know that those types of lessons will play a lot into their lives later on having those skills being able to change a tire being able to change the chain or the oil or the air filter these are all really useful things to know and also if they grow up and decide they want to be adventure riders and go off halfway across the world living off their bike knowing this stuff before you take off on the roads is highly valuable it means you don't get stranded somewhere yeah or they they have the common like troubleshooting skills to be able to figure stuff out for themselves and not be taken advantage of when they go to the garage and somebody tells them something that's, you know, a lie. So. Yeah, it's not bad. I'm glad your kids are getting to share this with you now. I think yeah, it's really yeah. cool. Yeah, it's good fun. All right. Well, it has been my absolute pleasure having you both here with me. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. It's fun. I'll look forward to hearing the all put together, all your work behind the scenes. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a like or a comment or even subscribe to the channel. I have included a link for Steve and Tracy's Instagram account and also their YouTube channel if you'd like to know more about them. And until next time, take care, safe rides, and be well. Bye, guys.